want to talk to someone about it we need to talk to someone we about need to talk Louis. to someone about Louis. <laughs> Kate McMahon shh okay okay we're in the library <laughs> hello and Hi. I'm gonna say from the outset I feel like this episode should not be called library at all it should be called cat squad <laughs> They are the underrated heroes of this episode, I have to say. I'm quite excited that, like, because we've only seen cats as, like, baddies in the Blueyverse, like, with the budgie in. Oh, yeah. So it's quite nice that there are some heroic felines in the Blueyverse as well. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, look, heroic, but... um... I feel like whatever heroism they may or may not display must surely just disappear in the mountain of annoyingness that this show must possess. Like (laughs) can a show called Cat Squad not be at least as annoying, if not more annoying, than, can I say it out loud, Paw Patrol? (laughs) You know, I have never seen an episode of Paw Patrol. Like, Um. It's annoying. Really? I just don't know. I know all the characters because somehow we've ended up with the merch, but I have no, I've never seen the show. I think it's on like the pay TV channel that is owned by Murdoch here in Australia, Foxtel. And um, yeah, I'm not a subscriber. So yeah, I've never seen it. Uh, Yeah, you're you're not missing anything. Bon is enthused about it, but has not seen a lot of it either. And then in my moments of weakness where you do like, okay, we'll see if we can find some on YouTube. It ends up that none of the episodes are on YouTube and you just like hit play on someone playing some kind of like Paw Patrol video game for hours. The worst. worst. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. So uh, a terrible outcome of, you know, of, there were no good outcomes possible from that scenario, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe Cat Squad's more promising, but the 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 music to Cat Squad, I am all about. Oh, the music is amazing! Like, if that is not an earworm for everyone that watches that episode for at least the next hour and a half, who even are you, really? I mean, <laughs> like, as far as earworm songs go, there's a few for me. There's like Toto, Africa. Uh, there's I've got a brand new pair of roller skates. Don't know why it Ooh. always gets looped in my head. Um, but yeah, Cat Squad. I reckon I was doing meow 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 meow, meow. <laughs> for the next album, Joff Bush. Please, uh, we would like the full three minute version of the Cat Squad song, if possible. Do um, we? I don't think we do. <laughs> just, just, I mean, I love, I love Joff, but yeah. I, Three minutes? Maybe not. (laughs) It's so funny that kids' TV themes can go from absolutely transcendent to absolutely the other end. Um, What would be transcendent for you, Kate? Oh, Bluey, of course. I mean, (laughs) uh, yeah, I mean, this album, the Bluey album, is worth noting, is at the number one spot on the ARIA charts at the moment. It is still amazing. It it is unprecedented, the love and attention that that album is getting. And I hope they get all the awards for it, to be honest, because how great would a Grammy for Bluey be, really? Um, Look, I think think the deal's done, to be honest. Um, (laughs) 
But and and I too love the Bluey theme song. But um, for mine, like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles original yeah. song, just so efficient in um capturing the personalities of four very different turtles uh, with a killer tune. Um, Do you remember Round the Twist? Like that was uh, the, yeah. That was so that was a whole song. Like there was a lot going on in that song, wasn't there? Yeah. Have you ever ever felt like this? But um. The other end of the scale uh, for me is a newcomer. Have you watched Kangaroo Beach yet? <laughs> I'm sad to say that I have. <laughs> oh, my God, it's so annoying. <laughs> so, so this is a uh, show that's premiered just this year on ABC Um for our international audience, so the same um, platform that's behind Bluey. Um and actually, Tim Bain, who's the creator, um, wrote one of the Bluey episodes, uh, Mount Mum and Dad. Um, so, yeah, I was really excited to tune in and see, you know, if Kangaroo Beach kind of took some of that Mount Mum and Dad charm. And? Uh, I think, like, there's a lot going on. It's very Australian, very beachy, very kind of adventures. Um, Tim Bain also wrote for many, many episodes of Fireman Sam and there is extreme Fireman Sam in Australia vibes in this episode, in this show. Um, but, yeah, it it lost me like in the intro music when um, the line is, we're here all summer, it just gets funner. Oh. And <laughs> I'm like, does it, does it just get Funner, oh, yeah, no. um, love it. Down on the because it's the line of the song that I even understand. Like most of it is about the characters, and I'm like, oh, they said something about a platypus, maybe I don't know. So yeah, I don't think we'll be creating an, a podcast about Kangaroo Beach anytime soon. <laughs> okay, two points. Uh, a fireman Sam, what the hell? Why haven't they gotten onto Norman Price yet? And surely the insurance premiums in Ponty Pandy are through the roof. It seems like everyone, yeah, like the, the government needs to shut it down seriously. <laughs> yeah, like you know, like this this is a terrible situation. Like just fire prone city. Um, point number two: join me in my hatred of Kangaroo Beach, please. <laughs> <laughs> and um yeah maybe we should move away from the other tv shows and get back to the book. <laughs> oh, look, i do have a final big reveal on this oh yeah uh, it might be the secret to why kangaroo beach has not won my heart and soul um yeah bon did after a week of solidly watching kangaroo beach outline his next five birthday cake requests five different five. characters from kangaroo beach <laughs> i'm like oh I am not talking to you right now. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. One cake for every upcoming year. He might change his mind, but he seemed pretty convinced at the time. So that's why I'm going to write a letter to the toilet fairy. Well, that's the only way things will change. So library is essentially about a spoiled kid, right? (laughs) And... I think the thing that I love about this episode is that it just went in such unexpected directions right from word go. Um, And there's a lot of like hidden little details as well that I really enjoyed. So let's start with the opening scenes, Mary. We're in the car, but it's um, Uncle Stripe's car 
and he's got Muffin in the back seat. They're driving to um, the healer house. There's a lot even just in here. Like, A, the toilet fairy. What do you think is the toilet fairy? I love the extension of of tooth fairies and Santas and all those things wrapped up that, that a child can feel like there's going to be letters of complaint written to them. Um <laughs> That, that sounds pretty reasonable to me. Like based on Muffin's short life experience, I feel like, yeah, you would be writing complaint letters to the toilet fairy. <laughs> yeah, I was getting like strong like Lady Catherine de Bourgh kind of vibes. Like I am not amused. <laughs> Seriously, oh, yes. pleased, yes. And then um, Uncle Stripe is driving, and I, I know zero about cars, but um, we've had several listeners get in touch with us um, to say it's a Porsche Cayenne. Um, and now these are fancy cars, man. So a basic 2021 model starts at 121300 That's <laughs> basic. And then the top end is just a smidge under $300,000. Now that's probably like, you know, maybe six times the average wage, I'm guessing, in Australia at least. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my so, gosh. Yeah. So it's a lot. Uh, let's get one. Great. Yeah. Um, but it goes to our dodgy dealing with Uncle Stripe so hard. <laughs> but, you know, where is he getting all his uh, dollar bucks from? I still want to know. Uh, yeah, and still to be able to afford the cat squad bike um, off the back of that investment as well, there's Fine. clearly – some excellent cash flow going on. He's buying ice creams willy-nilly, like velociraptors at the toy store. I don't know. Oh, actually, he didn't purchase that, did he? She just got eaten by one. Yeah, that's true, yeah. yeah. So I don't know. Perhaps Some perhaps every time Muffin gets eaten by a velociraptor, uh, Stripe, you know, launches a, a lucrative lawsuit or something <laughs> like that, and uh, it's just such a constant stream of, uh, of dollar bucks. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like there's some, um, yeah, some offshore, onshore sort of deals happening somehow. <laughs> well, perhaps Stripe could be a lawyer because he certainly seems to um, be able to tweak the laws of the land to his favour. <laughs> Didn't you see it? Yeah, I saw it. That orange light means slow down and stop. Why didn't you slow down and stop? Ah, uh, well... This was a special case. You know, we see Muffin kind of start to drop some hints that she might be a bit indulged and then, yeah, the the blame is laid pretty squarely at Stripe's feet as he runs the orange light. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, good on her. And did you notice, by the way, there were little stickies? Like that was a recent supermarket promotion over here where you got like little fruits and vegetables that like had a little suction cup on them so you could stick them on things. Uh, oh, yeah. We are well aware. Oh, really? Yeah, they were <laughs> And they're the, yeah, the ultimate car toy because there's just so many of them and you can stick them to windows. So, yes, apart from all the uh, unrecyclable plastic they create in the mm. <laughs> landfills, uh, look, kind of if you never let them leave the back of your car, uh, that's – kind of sustainable right we we get a lot of entertainment out of them imagine having a 300k car though and like you've got these little like apples and oranges and stuff <laughs> in the back windows <laughs> oh it's better than the healer's car like the uh the bandit healer car that it's just actual stickers on the window this is you know <laughs> 
at least you can do a quick swipe off. So much more relatable. Um, uh. <laughs> anyway, this is a special case, as we find out, Mary. I, what did you make of uh, Uncle Stripe's sort of line? Muffy, you're the most special kid in the whole world. <sighs> Look, I felt a bit torn because obviously the episode was so ready to kind of blame Stripe for bratty muffin. But what parent kind of hasn't said that at some point or another? And how do we stop our kids taking it literally? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, interesting. Yeah, it's an impossible question, right? Like right from word go, you're encouraged to, you know, follow your child's interests and respect them as an individual and tell them how loved and nurtured and wonderful they are. I mean, yeah, it it goes, no wonder there's like a whole lot of entitlement floating out around there. (laughs) Yeah, because Muffin really just is like, oh, yeah, I am. Such a great, like, just subtle, but, like, you can see where this is going just when she sort of looks out the window and goes, ah, interesting. You can see the cogs turning for mischief. And and, and it sets up what's to come so beautifully. But I, I don't know, it's such a trope. Like, think Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, for instance. Like, that is just a parade of, you know, categorically spoiled children with their proud, you know, spoiled, spoiling parents trotting along behind them. You know, so we're meant to just deduce that it's spoiling parents that spoil children. But really, what kid doesn't think the world revolves around them? (laughs) Is it, is it really, you know, is it really just you have ruined this child and that's on you? Or is it actually just, you know, they all start like, the center of the universe and it's just maybe the parents job to kind of try and wind that back a little bit with uh <laughs> with a few tantrums along the way hi muffin oh wipe your feet on the towel honey it's i a don't bit- have to aunt tilly i'm special how do you wind it back though it's so complicated isn't it because we i mean we are so fortunate that we live in you know a country where things are relatively easy to buy for your kids and we're mostly in good income jobs and i don't know there is that element of like keeping up with the joneses but i know my kids have got like more stuff than i ever probably had as a, a kid really like even joseph's got a whole room full of toys yeah <laughs> Amazing. Um, yeah, well, well, I think this episode shows it's handy to have some cousins that can pull you into line. So. <laughs> Feel free to choose some books. Just remember to keep quiet. Okay. I love a library, but I don't think um I've ever paid as much attention to the details of a library as this one that Bluey and Bingo have created because there is just so much going on. It was quite an interesting game for them to be playing as well, like cafes and everything generally pretty well frequented in our house. But, yeah, I don't think we've ever played a library before and I quite like the idea of, like, getting out all the books and encouraging your children to read for an afternoon. It's it's a good game. It's uh, It put me in mind of some just top-class parenting um, I saw recently when we were visiting our big cousins um, mm. and Bon and his big cousin decided after dinner we're putting on a show 
And so, you know, it's the standard sprinting. All the parents have to come and sit down and watch the show. And, you know, we were still like, everyone was still kind of finishing dinner, like trying to, you know, get five seconds of adult conversation. And I was sort of starting to get up, okay, okay, we're coming to your show. And my sister turned around and said, oh, well, if it's a show, you're going to need to put up posters. And I just like sat back and went, oh, and then she's like, and and what about tickets? Where are the tickets going to come from? And had them, the kids sitting at the table for the next half hour with textures and paper, designing the posters and drawing the tickets and cutting yeah. out the tickets. <laughs> and, yeah. and it made me realise that the prelude to this episode library may have just been Chili saying, okay, and what about the library cards? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, wow, this has just been masterful. Can I play? That is genius on so many levels. Yeah. I mean, any game with a long setup that kids can do themselves, what a winner. (laughs) Oh, I know, but it's hard in the moment of like, oh my gosh, what do I have to do now to think, actually, what do you have to do now? (laughs) But it's my new motto. (laughs) Oh, parenting hack. Love it. Can I play? Sure, let's get you a library card. Okay. So Muffin comes in and it's pretty evident straight away that she's, um, yeah, trying to rule the roost um, because of her special status. Mary, you've got a lot of siblings. What did you do in these situations to pull kids back into line? Definitely, I don't think I ever would have had as much patience as Bluey and Bingo demonstrate trying to make the game fit around Muffin. Mm -hmm. What about you? Mm, Well, I've got one younger sister and probably the closest we came to playing library was post office. Mm -hmm. And um, my mum used to put me and my best friend Jennifer inside the playpen so my sister couldn't get to us and she'd basically be like outside the playpen shaking the bars to try and get to our <laughs> post office. It was uh yeah, necessary intervention so that we could play in peace, basically. <laughs> it doesn't sound that peaceful. No, um but I was thinking like play my mum, if she was watching this, she would have just been like, oh, just put up a playpen around bingo and blurry. <laughs> Like let them be inside the playpen and muffin on the outside, you know. And was there something your sister could have done to earn the right to playpen access or was she just doomed to a day of kind of rattling the the outside of the cage? Yeah, I think she was basically like, you know, she was allowed to be the customer occasionally but Mm -hmm. she wasn't allowed to like touch our collection of old ripped up envelopes stamps or um yeah writing stuff writing materials no 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 so yeah I don't know probably mum was helping her in another room or something to write letters that then she could bring to the post office so right oh that sounds like a very cute scene but yeah whether not sure if muffin for instance would have settled for that there you go I want a pink one The library card is interesting. I love that you even get your own photo on your library card. Um, and that that particular moment with um, Muffin looking into the fisheye pretend photo camera mm. um, 
was particularly cute um, and may particularly involve a long dog in there somewhere if you look close enough. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so she gets the colour library card she wants and it's just descending into chaos from there. Um Libraries probably shouldn't have books that play music, I'm going to say. And actually, now that I've seen this, even dinosaur books feel like they might um, might upend the library shush code. Mm. I can play however I want. <laughs> oh, yes, I forgot. So we're quite a noisy book house, Mary, because um, my eldest daughter, Olivia, with her genetic condition, she she needs a lot of like sensory toys and input so we got these books from Aldi over Christmas and that sing old McDonald and oh my god we have heard that song I reckon about 5,000 times and I'm trying to work out how to break the speaker on them at the moment (laughs) Um, basically the moral of the story is if you were considering giving a child a book that makes noise, just don't. Like, just, just don't. Like, it's that simple. Just put it down and find something else that doesn't make annoying sounds. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. I think I might have the solution for your uh, situation, oh, Kate. Have you come across the poppy books? No which are books that make noise, but um, I think you would love them. I think they're out of France and they're a series of a little dog who explores different classical instruments on every page and each page you push um, a little button next to the instrument and you get, you know, a bit of symphony or a bit of, um, I think like there's a brass band one and it's all... It's all very classical and it's all very repeat listenable and also it's quite hard to push the buttons so half the time <laughs> the kids are spending their time not push- pushing it over and over again but just trying to so you don't actually get that much musical onslaught in between the effort they have to make. Um, That's annoying when they come up to you like, Mom, Mom, I can't do it, uh, I can't work. And you're like, oh, yeah, oh. that is the flip side I guess. Oh, but, yeah, yeah this I'm is a really cute to- series. We have pop- Poppy meets the orchestra and there's quite a bit of a bluey music crossover in there even. Ooh. I reckon there's a um, saying, uh, how do you say that, Saison? Oh, yes, yeah, yeah. Camille Saison and I, th- oh, yeah, I haven't. Oh, have got Poppy and Vivaldi, Poppy and Mozart. I'm on Booktopia right now having a look. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Poppy and the Brass Band, Poppy and the Orchestra. I'm going to give so, you So, yeah, a- very, very calm library listening appropriate. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, every book with noise has it down. It's downside, I <laughs> I do agree. Yeah, I just, I just think just put them down and get the good old paper ones. And I think Bluey's just released new books as well. So, you know, there's no excuses really. Uh, we haven't got a noisy book from Bluey yet, have we? No. Perhaps um Perhaps the producers have psychically heard our calls <laughs> and uh, perhaps we're not going to go down that Don't terrifying path. do it. All right, this is the quotable quote of the episode for me, Mary, when Muffin's been running the show and finally Bluey just snaps and says, That's it. You can be noisy, you can borrow all the books, you can even eat toddlers. 
I mean, what a line. How many times a day do you just say things that just would not make sense in any other point in your life? And if you like, you know, you had a flash forward to like, you know, 15 years time when you were 20 or whatever. And like, why am I saying you can even eat toddlers? (laughs) You've got to return your books. Uh, Yeah, like there's just no explaining it is there like yeah it's it's lucky that this uh library was not very well frequented because (laughs) how do you explain that oh man like some of the things I was saying like yesterday I was like will we don't lick windows on trams like you know (laughs) (laughs) Um, just Uh, all sorts of stuff that you're just like wow never thought those combinations have come out of my mouth but here we are (laughs) um yeah bluey's finally drawing a line in the sand is um is what finally taps stripe back in to deal with this monster toddler eating monster he has created she says because she's the most special kid in the world Oh, oh okay I'll be right back. Do you think um, he gets off a bit easy? Like he does go and confront Muffin and um, kind of, you know, he's hating that he's got to eat his words and explain that she's not necessarily the most special kid in the world. (laughs) This is the bit that really upended me, Mary, because I was so prepared for the Muffy, honey, you know, I love you, you are the most special, wonderful kid with all these amazing qualities, but, you know, even so we need to play. And he was just like, you're not. (laughs) So, like, I laughed out loud so hard because, you know, why sugarcoat this for kids? Like, you know, like we talk about things about being making clear, simple communications in our job and, yeah, I thought Stripe just nailed it. She actually took it remarkably well. It well, yeah. almost a relief to her that she wasn't special. Very interesting. Yeah, pressure's off, like take off the tiara. Um, Not that Muffin would ever take off the tiara, but, yeah, I think – um. I think we're meant to think that honesty is the best policy and honesty is meant to be the best policy. I just don't see it always work that efficiently in real life. Yeah, I know lots of kids that would be probably rightly devastated if their parent came up to them and yeah, you're not special. You know how I said you're the most special kid in the world? Yes. Well, you're not. And I think it's good modelling as well for, like, kids watching the show because parents can now have conversations like, you're acting like a bit of a muffin in library, you know. know. But the flip side is it is so hard to tell kids when, you know, get those dual messages in, like, yes, you are special, but no, you're not special. Um, I'm having that issue with Bon at the moment that anything we find that is lost he instantly wants to get the police involved so it can be restored to its rightful owner because um wow. I found a phone in a park um, a while back and so, you know, then discuss, oh, well, should we take it to the police? Or luckily it rang so I could return it to the person. Yeah. Um, but then a block of Lego we find in the park is suddenly like, well, lights and sirens, mum, like get to the cops, <laughs> they're going to know about this. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> which, you know, technically it does belong to someone and it, it 
you know, that's what police are there for, restoring order. But wow. um, can you imagine nine one one? We've got a stray leg yeah, of a just, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you poor thing. That that must be uh, hard. Can you do like fake police calls? Like, <laughs> hello, officer. Yes, police. Yeah, no, I, I think one would only be happy once we turned up to the police station and handed it over. He wouldn't believe that the police didn't want this treasure. As I'm explaining that, yeah, I feel like Stripe explaining why you can sometimes just sneak through an orange light. <laughs> now, I actually felt that this episode was a great companion piece for Shadowlands. It was sort of a similar message, like not changing the rules actually makes it more fun for everyone. True, yeah. Mm. You know, not that library really started. Like Muffin was breaking rules that I don't think Bluey even realised were rules until <laughs> she came up against Muffin. Um, but, yeah, it's it definitely it's good to have some structure to a game <laughs> and it's good to revisit that as well. But you have to return your book. Otherwise, you're not playing library properly. So what was your quotable quote this episode, Mary? Oh, gosh. I think Stripe um, taking full responsibility for the situation at hand with his, um, I'll be right back. (laughs) So relatable. Like, yeah, that's, you know, it's the line you go for when things are just, yeah, chaos bound but you don't really want anyone to notice that you've you've just got to remove yourself and sort it out um yeah. <laughs> so yeah that was speaking hard to me yeah <laughs> what about you uh it was definitely you can even eat toddlers like I mm-hmm. loved that um that being said my most valuable player I'm gonna give it to Stripe I really liked the performance here I liked that he wasn't just ditching muffin and running like he normally does <laughs> And, you know, he realised his uh, mea culpa moment and he repaired it pretty well, I thought. So, yeah, just that delivery of the, again, you know, you know how I said you're special, you're not. So, (laughs) what about you for most valuable? I'll go to the other side of the bench because um, Chili has a very low-key role in this episode, but the fact that she clearly has the girls at a point where you can she you know can explain and expect them to just let muffin have a bit more rope than the average kid and deal with it with a very noticeable eye roll but um but without getting too preachy I I thought that was just really nicely done by her because you do need to make allowances for different kids at different stages and I think she modeled that really well yeah there was like the definite like don't mess with me vibe in her voice like (laughs) also just the fact that she and Stripe actually managed to have a bit of conversation don't know what it was but um but yeah that's always the (laughs) the goal with the play date isn't it like imagine having words exchanged (laughs) and uh you know, minimal interruption. <laughs> yeah, and I thought it was nice, you know, it was kind of a like Prince Harry, Kate Middleton vibe, like, you know, that they were hanging out together and um, clearly they've got a nice um, relationship. It's picking up with life <laughs> with the dump and runs. So, yeah. Ah, cool. I didn't know there was a Prince Harry, Kate Middleton vibe, well, but I will know, take like, your word for it. <laughs> before Meghan Markle, they used to just like, okay. hang out platonically all the time. And, like, have uh, I see. Well, don't go moving to Canada, Chile. We need you here. <laughs> um. <laughs> Couple weeks later and it, it's still there. What's up, gang? Muffin's not playing properly. 
One more favourite uh, bit of this episode, Kate, is the metal style uh, Cat Squad song that takes out the episode. Um, what a high to go out on. <laughs> well, I'm just so impressed with the music in this episode, um, not particularly because like um, the music that they base it on is uh, Sur le Pont d'Avignon, which is like a... Uh, it's kind of a nursery rhyme now. Like you see it on the Wiggles and things like that, but it actually was composed back in the 16th century. So in the 15th century, apparently there were lots of popular songs um, sung at weddings which mentioned the Avignon Bridge in France and they were called pillow songs. Yeah. And then um, apparently Pierre Asserton, who was a composer of chapel music in the 16th century, he kind of wrote like comical ditties alongside religious works. But anyway, he composed a mass, Sous le Pont d'Avignon. Um, it was sounded nothing like the song that we know now, but um, that sort of was where they think that the song originated from. And then in 1853 there was an operetta by Adolphe Adam and created for um, the Comic Opera of Paris and that was sort of had a version of the song as we know it. Uh, mm. and then that kind of led to another operetta which had the version that we know now um, sort of introduced. That was about 1876. But interesting facts. Um, so the Avignon Bridge is, uh, it used to be 22 arches over the Rhone River connecting um, the town of Avignon to the Villa de Neuve Avignon. Um, terrible, can't speak French. So <laughs> that, that sounded like a red hot go. Yeah, I'm going to give it a crack. Um, anyway, so, uh, and the original song was, uh, dancing under the Avignon Bridge where people would, um, normally dance. So, uh, Suze, I think, or I can't remember if it's Sarah or Suze, but they changed the other one. So, but no one actually okay. danced on the bridge. They danced on the banks underneath the bridge because right. it kept getting washed away. So it wasn't even a particularly sturdy bridge and now if you go to Avignon you can only see like a teeny little bit because basically it was a terrible bridge. So it got washed away and destroyed and it was bombed and all sorts of things. Ah, okay. So all I took away from that was under the bridge. So this, you know, we we all know the Red Emma Wiggle song, but the Chili Peppers have obviously, yeah, taken a lot uh, from it in their career as well. Great. <laughs> Attention library customers, your books are due back now. Please put them in the book mouth thing. Thank you. I did like, um, going back to the very start, that they would have had to do the music for library with this like electronica versus violin like classical version of uh, Sous le Pont d'Avignon and then mm-hmm. they invented a whole other song for Cat Squad. I mean, <laughs> you know, we are getting music from every angle here and then there was even a little ditty in between where like Muffin's toy went off and it was like, Cat Squad! Muffin's toy! Fear not! We are here for your protection <laughs> every little thing would require what a catchphrase yeah they even sneak in one more uh children's song banger the ants go marching yes um, is the music that one of the books is playing so uh which i reckon is one of my favorites of like kids staples what do you do for number seven um 
went to heaven. Really? Yeah. That's so dark, don't you think? Like, uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I feel like all the concepts are pretty abstract. <laughs> um, I don't think really the boys are too invested in the fate of uh, ants, but what are the alternatives? Uh, I don't know. Well, this is the one I always sort of gloss over because I'm like, <laughs> like well, we go from like knocking on doors and picking up sticks to like death. So I never know how to feel about number seven. Anyway, we usually have a metaphoric heaven. Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, I will definitely think uh, differently next time I'm, yeah. Uh, chanting the, to get the boys to actually move along the footpath. Seven Eleven, okay, well, that, that works. I don't know. Like, you know, maybe we need to be more creative. Yeah. I get over this weird phobia about an ant dying and my child questioning me, like, "Mum, <laughs> why is the ant going to heaven?" Everyone else has to return them, but I get to keep them. Can I take this to one more musical place, Kate? Because we didn't get to talk about at the end of last year before we wrapped up. Um, the little kind of short uh, that the Ludo team put out that was Bluey and Bingo singing um, Jingle Bells, Bells, Batman Smells, (laughs) which was amazing. And this episode, um, and, yeah, if you haven't seen it, uh, track it down. We shared it on our page. Um, It's If you don't know Jingle Bells, Batman Smells, it's, it must be universal, right? Like I feel like it, you know, it's not just an Australian thing that kids sing this in the playground. I mean, surely that's just the obvious rhyming word, you know. Like. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the this short does take on the the huge controversy that there's two versions of Batman smells. Um, one Robin flies away, and one Robin lays an egg. Which, yeah, the boys, our boys, were very shocked to hear there were two versions. Um, when it started getting thrown out at daycare, uh, the different versions. <laughs> but they, so having you know seen it on Bluey, and they already loved the rhyme so much, it put me in mind of like, oh well, perhaps you know, has someone recorded this whole song? Like, should it be in our Christmas playlist? Oh wow! So I found a quite. Um, cat squad like metal kind of punkabilly version um, on Spotify <laughs> and <laughs> had played didn't add it to any um, to any playlists but had played it quite a few times with the boys like kind of moshing out to it on the couch. I love it. Uh, realized it was very not safe for work <laughs> or two year olds and four year olds and, and the um, w, yeah. yeah if, if anyone else is inspired to, yeah, track down heavy rockin' versions of that song, um, I would I would recommend treading very carefully. <laughs> Jingle bells, Batman smells, Robin laid an egg. The Batman wheel lost the wheel, the Joker got away. Hey! Well, I think, you know, we've steered away from some awkward conversations and we've dived right into some others. So, um, yeah, I think we're just about there, man. I think we are too. That was a fun time cool. in the library um, and, um, you know, like libraries speak to my nerd soul. So uh, it's been a nice visit. Yeah, it got quite noisy but, you know, that let's let's face it, when you've got kids our age, visits to the library are going to get noisy. So yeah. <laughs> can relate, Muffin. Um, at least we don't rock up with the Cat Squad bike, right? <laughs> <laughs> Most well, annoying yet. toy ever. 
Kate, thank you tons. Um, you can check in with us and let us know if you've ever taken your cat squad bike <laughs> to the library. We're on all the socials at Bluey Pod on Facebook and Insta at Bluey Podcast on Twitter or email us. It's blueypod at gmail.com. Yeah, so lovely to hear from people and we'll be sharing lots of stuff on Mailbag next week. Um, And, yeah, that's when I'll talk to you, Kate. Yeah. In the meantime. Got to be done. It's got to be done. Bye. Bye.